Okay, go ahead. What an episode, hey? Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I am Gabe. I'm Tasha. <laughs> we are on season five, episode five, Serendipity. Serendips. This episode fucked me up. I knew it was. I think I apo- I do apologize to you in the first <laughs> in the first scene. My God. Okay. And then when it gets like halfway through or when the twist comes, I'm like, why? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Can't it be one straightforward thing that fucking sucks? Right. Nope. All right. So the opening scene, there's these two CDC employees. They're fucking poking and prodding at like a sewer grate for mosquitoes, right? A woman comes up and she's like, oh my God, the terrorists. Did they poison the water? And they're like, no, no, we're just getting mosquitoes. And she's like, oh my God, West Niles, is it here? And they're like, we're getting mosquitoes. We do this everywhere. It's fine. And she's asking all these questions. What's that thing you poking? They're like, Ugh, what are you doing it for? Where's it going? And they're like, the guy like begrudgingly answers all of her questions, which he did not have have to but you can tell he was just like can you just fucking chill lady like we're just doing our job (laughs) we're getting mosquitoes we do it in every town we send it back to atlanta blah 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 they see a fucking bag that we all saw immediately but they just found it for some reason they want to examine it for mosquitoes so they're poking at it and a fucking little tiny hand Mm. falls out of it and the lady goes that better be a baby doll and it was really sad. And then here's where I say, oh, sorry, Tasha. It's one of those episodes. Yeah. So now it's a crime scene. Responders and SVU are on the scene. A newborn girl was found in that little garbage bag. The responding officer tells Benson Stabler that if the water in the drain was any higher, she could have ended up in the East River. Benson walks over and lifts up this little tiny like dish towel. It's so small. The umbilical cord is still attached and it has been cut with dental floss. Stabler is like, well, this is obviously a home birth. Then Benson says that babies are more likely to be killed in their first day of life than at any other time, which is a crazy fucking fact. Mm. There's no signs of trauma on the baby. Coroner Warner is on the way, but the CDC employee is an entomologist and he helps them figure some shit out. So he found blowfly larvae on the body, which means that the baby hadn't been in the sewer more than three hours which means the mom is probably nearby. It wouldn't be too hard to find a new mom missing a baby. So Benson and Stabler are at the Frith's apartments. They're speaking with the building manager. He says there's a super pregnant woman, Brianna Morris, who had moved into the building about a few months ago. She's in her early 20s probably, and she lived alone and seemed to hide her pregnancy with baggy clothes. This dude played C.O. O'Neill in 42 episodes of Orange is the New Black. He was such a cutie in that role. Mm. He's also in a newer show. That's why I recommend recognized him yeah he's also in a new show that i hadn't heard of yet with tracy morgan called the last og and there's a couple people in this episode that are in that show Oh, yeah. Everything in Hollywood is siphoned through SVU. Everything. He said when it became obvious, he asked her about the pregnancy, but she denied it. I'm also like, just don't ask, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. even though I'm that way. I'm that fucking way. (sighs) So when this building manager knocks on Brianna's apartment door. Oh, my God. I was just going to. Were you? He is so proud of himself. He looks over his shoulder at Benny and I just I wrote that. (laughs) 
Yeah. He looks over as he's like yelling in the door and he goes, Miss Morris, I need to check your pipes. We got a leak in 1H. And he's rewarded with a big Stabler thumbs up. Yeah. He's looking over at Stabler like, oh, I'm lying. And Stabler's like, yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. He's so yeah. <laughs> He's like under his breath as they go in the door. He's like, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm part of the team. <laughs> He somersaults into the fucking door. <laughs> He's got a gun for some reason. He just starts shooting everywhere. <laughs> the thumbs up that Stabler gave him was so obviously like, mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it, big boy. So she doesn't answer. He lets them in. But Stabler finds Brianna dead on her bed. Blood on her pajamas. Somebody else took the baby. Mm. Still in the Frith apartments, Munch and Toots are canvassing the neighbors for information. The first neighbor is in a nightmare apartment. It's just fucking full of birds. <laughs> yeah. The resident is an older woman who's slowly evolving into a bird right before our eyes. She says she didn't know much about Brianna, but they were friendly with each other. You know, just like crossing paths in the hall and... Brianna ran a couple of errands for her, like a nice young gal would do for an old woman with a beak. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> There's feather dust everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's molting. <laughs> she showed Munch a photo of herself and some friends on her birthday. Everyone's smiling, but Brianna has this deadpan Victorian teen face. With a party hat on. Yeah. It was really funny, and she was like, we're not that close, but she came to my fucking birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> and she's only lived here for three months. You're pretty close. I think, yeah, yeah. Lady Bird tells him Brianna was a sad person and was always alone with no boyfriend or partners, but this bird prison warden was like, my birds loved her, so she must have been a good person. Did you notice I have birds? <laughs> Oh, what's so great about it is Munch is holding a pan of seeds while she's, like, feeding them. He's, like, following her around, talking to her. <laughs> it was Gross. cute. Ugh, yeah, it was fucking adorable. Can you imagine the smell in there? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. She didn't hear anything overnight or in the morning when Brianna was attacked because she didn't have her hearing aids on. Cut to Toots in another area of the building chatting with another neighbor, a younger dude with glasses who will age gracefully into a mole judge one day. <laughs> He heard a knocking around 6 a.m., but didn't hear anything after that. And Toots is like, she was giving birth, guy. No woman's quiet during childbirth. Actually, sorry, I had to push my glasses up. Scientology has a silent birth practice. They believe that yelling and screaming causes trauma to the baby, so they just traumatize the mom. Wow. That's like legit a thing. It's it's called a silent birth. Also, have you not seen A Quiet Place? There's like aliens running around her house that can only hear sound or can only oh wow sound, what, and she's giving birth in a bathtub what advanced beings <laughs> their heads are weird oh. shut up <laughs> so is mine god i don't know how many times i've thought about it in the last like two months shaving my head and then i'm just like nope my head's weird i can't you don't have a weird head Ugh. inside brianna's apartment corner warner says someone helped deliver the baby and then cleaned up the afterbirth there's no obvious cause of death for brianna or the baby benson asks if brianna could have died during childbirth and corner warner says that it's possible she'll have more information after the autopsy toots then discovers that the phone line's working so she could have called for help if she was here alone or if she was still alive mm -hmm. and munch jumps in and says that killers don't usually allow that benny says they yeah. have no evidence of foul play yet and i'm like 
there was a baby in the sewer, so like, yeah, there is. There is evidence of foul play. Mm-hmm. Like, gross. Benny thinks that someone may have been trying to help someone who knew that she wanted to keep the baby's birth a secret. Stabler finds a prescription bottle of prenatal vitamins, though, with the doctor's name on it, even though prenatal vitamins are over the counter, but maybe they're special ones, who knows. They head to the doctor's office. His name is Dr. Curtis. Walk and talk with him, Benny, and Stapes. Dr. Curtis tells them that the last time he saw Brianna was the Tuesday before her death, and she wasn't due for three weeks. And fucking Stabes, well, I know a thing or two about prenatal care. I'm a dad. Friggin' Kath wasn't due for a month and saw me in a shootout in the news and pooped that kid out in the middle of the dang living room. And the doc's like, yeah. Emotional or physical trauma can trigger labor and hand Stabler a fucking scratch and sniff sticker for participating. Stabler's just like, I'm I'm the expert dad in the room. I delivered all my babies. I said it in an episode. I wrapped them all in fucking newspaper. He's Kristen Wiig uh, in that. Yeah. In that, Skit, that yeah. what you know who I'm talking. Yeah, Stabler's yeah. playing with his hair, and he's like, "Um, actually, I've parented 75 children in my lifetime." And um, I was gonna say I'm, 75. That was the number in my head. I love you. I love you too. Uh, I actually I invented being a dad. Actually, um, you know how <laughs> Jesus was a uh, virgin birth. Actually, I was the dad. Um, actually, actually, okay. <laughs> The doctor says that he had never met or talked to Brianna about the baby's father being in the picture. She had only seen Dr. Curtis for three months. Before that, she'd gone to a free clinic. And Benny's like, ooh, that's a big price jump. Mm -hmm. When Brianna came to Dr. Curtis's practice, she got every test done that they had. Dr. Curtis was concerned about her because Brianna seemed detached from the pregnancy. She didn't want to know the sex or see the ultrasound. My own thought here is this feels like a surrogate situation or like she was supposed to give the baby to someone else. That doesn't sound crazy to me. As they leave, Stabler asks the receptionist for Brianna's payment history, which was in the problem file. Her payment Mm -hmm. had been declined and the credit card used was under the name Ronald Walcott. The receptionist uh-huh. didn't know who Walcott was because he had never been to the office. Lead! Mm-hmm. So Benson and Stabler are standing outside the Walcott residence. They're discussing what the fuck's going on. All of a sudden, Walcott's wife shows up with a bunch of flowers. She asks them what's up. Stabler tells her that they're at the house because they think he's the victim of an identity theft. Someone's been using his credit card. And she's like, oh my god. She asks what was charged and how much. Benson tells her 20K to Dr. Curtis. And she's like, oh, my God, that's Brianna's OBGYN. And they're like, you know, Brianna? Why didn't they lead with that? I know. Well, in case it was like an affair thing, they didn't know. You know what I mean? There probably had to be like identity theft. Just, you know what I mean? To the wife. Yeah, I guess. They always have weird. You know, got to tiptoe around that stuff. (laughs) Benny's like, do you want me to dress in a tracksuit and pretend to be your wife? Are we doing that one? (laughs) So, yeah, they were adopting Brianna's baby. Mm-hmm. Inside the yeah. home, Ron and his wife are talking to Benson and Stabler. They're very upset. Ron wants to know why someone would kill the baby. They had picked out a name, Emily Rose. They had it picked out for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. The wife is upset. She's crying. The Walcotts couldn't conceive. And when they met Brianna, they got her a better place to live and paid for all of her medical expenses. Ron admits that the card was maxed out, but he had taken care of it. He said that in front of his wife. Mm-hmm. The adoption wasn't through any agency. It was set up through a mutual friend. Marcy Cochran Marcy Cochran Toots fucking pops in and he's like what? <laughs> you need me? Marcy Marcy Cochran I'm not into it but but maybe Marcy Cochran of the well-known New York Cochrans? <laughs> So Marcy Cochran, I can't... Ah, they're big donors in people's vaginas. <laughs> Huge lobbyists for Big Dildo. 
big dildo. Stupid. <laughs> big dildo. Ugh. Ripping this country to shreds. Okay, so Marcy We need Cochran. more education in lube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Marcy Cochran is Ron's co-worker's wife. Marcy volunteers for a hotline that Brianna had called. Yes. Okay, so now we're in the offices of Metro Helpline. Benson and Stabler are talking to Marcy. This woman, first of all, is a Susan Sarandon, Deborah Messing, Sandra Bernhardt mashup. Okay. Totally. Yes. Thank you. I was like, it's more It's more than two. It's not quite, you know. She was in SVU once before and is most recently in the American version of the show Ghosts, uh, <gasps> which we've talked about before. She's the Miss yeah. Button. The Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm. That's why. Okay. She was also in Dope Sick, which I mentioned how good it is every time it comes up. But oh, it's good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So she's had some great roles since then. Since since yeah. now. Since she was fucking Marcy Cockring. <laughs> Queen of the Cockrings. <laughs> uh, Marcy Cochran the fourth. <laughs> I dub thee. <laughs> Just one giant, like double ended. Just a like, huge Prince Albert, like clonk, clonk. <laughs> <laughs> okay Sorry. so marcy says that brianna had contemplated suicide she felt overwhelmed when she found out she was pregnant she didn't think she could handle being a mom mm -hmm. brianna's dad left before she was born and brianna's mother dumped her in foster care at five brianna was really concerned and didn't want to have a baby and repeat the cycle of abuse the baby's father was from a one-night stand that totally ghosted brianna he was like her dream boat and then the next morning was gone sailor's like do you usually get this involved with people that call in and she's like no but I don't usually get involved, but I really liked her and she really broke my heart. Marcy had given Brianna her phone number and they talked every day. I feel like this is such a violation. Okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she convinced her to give her baby to the Walcotts. Marcy last talked to Brianna four days ago. They had a fight because she told Marcy she wanted to keep the baby and fucking Marcy told her dumb fuck husband and he mm. told Ron because they're co-workers. They all know each other. Marcy, what are you doing? Marcy. Marcy. Honey. Mercy. Go back to what you know best. You know better. This is your job. Cock rings. You need, you need to you need to focus on the family cock ring farm, Mercy. <laughs> Those cock rings aren't gonna grow on trees if you don't water them. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, I pictured them like um cattle. <laughs> like it's a like it's Oh, a okay, yeah, just like walking around like grazing. <laughs> oh, see, I'm picturing Prince Albert's and you're picturing like cock rings. So you're picturing maybe like a fruit, like a jelly fruit with a place for a vibrator. I'm picturing a Prince Albert cock ring, so like the two balls <sighs> the piercing. on the end. Yes. They're like little feet. Like they're like running across. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love like like <laughs> yeah. And he like rears up with one, one ball. <laughs> Oh, gross. Oh, okay. <laughs> nobody, nobody gets me like you do, Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. In the precinct. The squad is discussing the new details. Craig and pours a coffee while asking, why would the Walcotts lie? And Munch is like, to cover the grand poobah of all motives. <laughs> 
The detectives speculate that the Walcotts killed Brianna and the baby to get back at her for wanting to keep the baby. It would have been so emotionally devastating to be told they weren't getting their baby. Not only that, the Walcotts were also stretched thin financially from trying to get pregnant and from paying for Brianna's health care. But the rule is the bio mom can change her mind at any time, so they'd just be out all that money. Yeah. The whole team puts together this little story. Maybe the Walcotts confronted Brianna to reason with her. She got emotionally worked up or whatever and went into labor. So they tried to birth the baby and things went wrong. Both Brianna and the baby died, so they put the baby in the sewer. Mm. So to me, that seems a little far-fetched for a reasonable pair of people hoping to get a baby. And also... Yeah, it's a little bit much. They were connected to her. There was a paper trail connected to her. So like that didn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. In the office of the medical examiner, Corner Warner says the baby... Ugh. I didn't want to have to talk about the Corner Warner says that the baby bled to death out of the umbilical cord, which was tied off after the baby lost half of her blood. Brianna was killed via suffocation. Corner Warner said she was burked which she described as an arcane method of suffocation dating back to 19th century Scotland by two men selling cadavers to medical schools who ran out of dead bodies. I have a sixth degree of separation with that. So when I was in college, I had a kinesiology professor who told us all about Burking. His name was Bill Burke, and it was his great-grandfather who was killing people to create cadavers and sell their bodies. There's a couple shows and movies about it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was really interesting and wild, insane, and he was such a cool guy. Anyway, Brianna died after she was injected with Versed, which paralyzed her. She was sat on to suffocate her, and then the killer used a pitocin suppository to stimulate labor. The worst thing I feel like is that Versed it paralyzes them, but mm-hmm. she could feel everything, just couldn't move, which. It just yes. sounds awful. Yes. I have this huge fear of major surgeries because of that mm-hmm. kind of shit where people are awake, but they can feel everything, but they can't move. Yeah. Like, I'm convinced that's going to happen to me. That's why, I, like, yeah. when I got my wisdom teeth out, I was counting backwards and I was crying a little bit. And the last thing I remember is a nurse going, oh, and like, patting <laughs> my tears. And then I woke up and I was like, okay. Well... They head over to Ron's workplace, the Flavor Institute, Flavortown. This is right. actually Guy Fieri. <laughs> Benny and Stabes come in hot and start talking shit. You didn't laugh at that at all. You know, I knew I knew you were going to say something, but like at I I heard I heard uh, Danny doing something, so I was like half like here half. So there. I don't That's get I one went, laugh for Flavortown and how this guy's Guy Fieri. I, I went I went like, huh, huh. but I was it was quiet. I'm putting I was... one in in post. Okay, do it. <laughs> Here, hold on. <laughs> oh, hold on, let me do Never it good, um, no. <laughs> hold on. Benny and Stapes. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Flavor Institute. Don't finger point <laughs> to <them>. Fire shirts. <laughs> made, it, made it worse. <laughs> Benny and Stapes come in fucking hot and start talking shit to Ron about him being a chemist and that Brianna was drugged before she died. And Ron's all, I'm making banana candy. This is preposterous. <laughs> and they push him about knowing Brianna wanted to keep her baby. Yeah, Ron knew about Brianna changing her mind, but he didn't tell his wife. He thought he could change Brianna's mind. And Benny's like, by killing her? And he's like, no. By cutting off my credit card to show her that she couldn't support a child. I know that it's their money and all that, but something about that to put the squeeze on her to get her baby made it feel really gross to me. Right. He denies killing her. His phone records show that he called her a lot in the days leading up to her death. And he says, I might have called her too much, but I certainly didn't kill her by phone. (laughs) (laughs) Diners, drive-ins, and dives. (laughs) 
also like all, all the other like banana boys or whatever the fuck were like in the background banana like looking boy. like or what are the, whatever they are banana guys <laughs> banana, banana bros flavor fucks <laughs> I don't know <laughs> they're like what's going on over here <laughs> today's banana day it's usually the funnest day of the week what's going on <laughs> Ron and the flavor fucks <laughs> Rod and the flavor fucks. Let's start a band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spit my water out. <laughs> I haven't heard a glass laugh in a while. Oh, yeah. All right. Now we're at the Walcott residence. Benson and Stabler and CSI search the home. This is an early aughts dream kitchen, by the way. Those fridge doors that look like cabinet doors, but are still metal around the outside and everything. Like this kitchen was 2005 cutting fucking edge. Yeah. Mm. Mrs. Walcott is super upset, obviously. And she's like, why are you doing this to us? They tell her that. <laughs> sorry, I got really over exaggerated. They tell her that Ron lied to her. And she's like, dude, he did it to protect me because I am very upset right now. Benson finds a case with brown bottles and asks Mrs. Walcott what it is. She's like, I don't fucking know. Then out of nowhere, the new ADA Casey Novak pops around the corner with curly red hair uh, and tells Benson to bag the bottles because it looks like pharmaceuticals. She pops in like, I'm just going to put on this Cabot suit and hope that nobody notices. <laughs> right. Benson is like, who the fuck are you? Stabler knows her from like some cop softball team. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) She's like, oh, I didn't recognize you without seeing you in my dust. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this. Sorry. (laughs) Novak says she's very hands-on and wants to see her cases from beginning to end. And much to the disappointment of Benson and Stabler, Novak wants to walk the scene and go back to the crime scene. That would be so annoying. Oh, my God. They're like, we already did this. We don't need your stupid... Although, when she did do it, she got them a lead you know she did yeah that's true yeah yeah we've seen novak before remember before she came into this big role Mm -hmm. she was amelia chase in the season three episode ridicule strap in because she's novak for 113 episodes that's the one where her and her friends raped that guy and nobody believes him and it's awful right yes Mm -hmm. they're like you didn't get raped your wiener moved and you're like whoa like shit you know what i mean like sorry you can be raped as a dude Okay. Now we're in Brianna's apartment. Novak thinks she's a step ahead of Benson and Stabler, and she's just going off on all these things that she thinks is happening. She assumes that Brianna lied to the Walcotts because she found a wealthier couple to adopt her baby, which that's super far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler prove to Novak that they think Brianna's motherly instincts, quote-unquote, finally kicked in by showing her parenting books that Brianna had checked from the library a few days before her death. But Novak points out there's a weird book in there called, quote, Skin Diseases of the Elderly. Novak's like, why the fuck would Brianna want this book? She's young. Maybe she had other things in her life. Right. Benson and Stabler grab the book and they're like, not sure, but we'll be sure to let you know when we find out. They're not at all happy she's in their shit. But she just gave them a fucking lead because where do they end up? The fucking library. I mean, they would have found it. They would have tripped over the fucking stack of books. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm like we're all, we're all there's there's an Alex Cabot shaped hole in our hearts and it's gonna be there. I want that Alex Cabot hole shape to not have bangs. <laughs> I know. Why did she leave with bangs? She came into work with bangs and they're like, we're writing you off the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, damn it. She's like, I can grow them um, out and they're like, 
We don't have that kind of time. Get in this SUV. <laughs> Witness protection until you grow out your bangs. Because <laughs> I will kill you, Jeremy says. <laughs> All right, now we're at the library. Munch and Toots are talking to a librarian who recognized Brianna. Brianna was in the library a lot, but didn't want to talk about being pregnant. Then, one day, it was super weird. Brianna had asked help for getting info on someone she saw in a magazine and spoke with another employee, Josephine. The thing that I most hated about this interaction is when they were first talking to her, she was talking about how she's like, oh yeah, she read self-help books. And Munch thinks he's got a sweet burn. And he goes, like what, cashing in on your inner child? Is that a fucking burn on adoption? You know what I mean? Like getting money for the baby you're carrying, yeah. inner child, the, the baby you're carrying. Like it was just yeah. so fucking gross. It was a gross comment. It wasn't funny. Trash. Stick with your day job, munch. <laughs> yeah. Josephine says Brianna wanted to get, find information on a dermatologist named Dr. Archibald Newlands from an mm -hmm. article in a magazine. He had written the book, ba ba ba, Skin Diseases of the Elderly. Weird. <sighs> Brianna then asked the librarian how to file a paternity suit. Oh, row. This computer librarian looked familiar to me, so I looked her up. Boop. She played Cece's mom, Priyanka, on New Girl. Oh. <gasps> oh. Yeah. I love that show. I did too. Now we head over to the dermatology practice of Dr. Archibald Newlands. We need to get information from him now. This dude mm -hmm. played that dirty DEA cop in Weeds, the main bad guy mm. in season two. But I was just like, mm, that's not what I recognize him from. I was scrolling There's so something. hard on his IMDb. I literally gasped. I gasped and I went, there it is. I was so excited by myself. When I saw the role I 100% knew him from, this is Pastor Skip in the movie Saved. Such a great movie. Such a great Macaulay <sighs> Culkin role. Yes. Yep. I knew I was like, I know him. Like, I, I know I've seen him in a lot of things, but there was something like mm -hmm. super that I've seen him in. And that's it. I mean, You're I right. was because I was like, it had the well, muffin shops me. closed. Oh. <laughs> Such a good movie. So Newland says, how can I be the father of her baby when I never met her until last week? Huh? Mm. <laughs> gotcha. Benny implies that maybe it was a one night stand situation. He says that he thinks she came to him because she had seen him in a magazine and he looked a lot like her ex-boyfriend what mm -hmm. they get into it a little bit more and he said she came to him in his office and he was like what and she was like Ugh, and he was like security and then she left the morning <laughs> the morning brianna died he got to the office at 9 30 his wife who is also his partner can vouch for him benson tells newlands to take a paternity test and he's totally compliant He's like, I was thinking the same thing. I'm looking at this going, this doesn't make any sense to me. This whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. It's not supposed to. Mm. Back at the precinct, back at the precinct. Craigens over Benny and Stave's desks and literally goes, so who's our daddy? And we're all like, you are daddy Craigan. <laughs> the paternity test results aren't back yet, so they don't know. Novak barges in and she's upset that they didn't come to her to get the order for the test. I don't know if this is tough ADA stuff because Cabot came in super strong too. Like when she first came in, it was hard for her to break in. Any new person, they're like, mm, I don't know about you. Mm. Yeah, I remember when like her and Craig had to have brunch and they both had like guns taped under the table <laughs> or something. Yeah. Like it was just really weird. It's just funny how like everybody comes in with their dick out. Like I would come in, I'd be like, hi everybody, I stayed up all night studying your personal files and made you each a dozen cookies that I feel best reflect who you are personally and professionally right now let me watch you taste them <laughs> oh novak asks about walcott 
the chemist who makes banana flavored runts. Cragen says his alibi is solid. And Toots says his security cameras place him at work during the time of the murder. <laughs> he goes, everybody's after the flavor of the month. What? God. And this month is bananas. <laughs> Banana months. <laughs> The pharmaceuticals found in the house were from a sample from a pharma rep, and it has nothing to do with Versed or Pitocin. Munch comes in with the results, and he dangles it for a second because he wants to Mori Povich it so bad, mm -hmm. but Daddy Craig's is having no time for his lollygags. Newlands is not the father, but they did clear a cold case with that test. Ooh. Fucking woo music swell, all right? Back at Newland's office, they interrupt a Botox sesh. Oh my God, it is so dark in that fucking room. It would never be that dark. Like you're getting Botox, like it's gonna be in a well-lit fucking office. Whatever. There's gonna be a ring light. Yeah. Fuck. Benny and Staves place him under arrest and tell him that his DNA was found on a six-year-old girl who he had raped in 1998. Uh, whoa, whoa. This is where I'm like, why? Yeah. I think it pretty much stops being about Brianna right now after this this th this is where i went wait is this the shift this is the longest remember that last that episode where we were like this is the longest intro this is the longest walking through a parking garage and uh, tripping over a body that we've ever had i think this is the longest one 19 minutes it was the one where he went to prison remember and he was like guards <laughs> or whatever yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> Now we're in the precinct interview room. Benson and Stabler question Newland. Newland denies killing Brianna, of course. Benson and mm -hmm. Stabler think that he killed her because her accusing him of being the father could have ruined his practice and his family. Newland says that they're framing him for rape and denies being a pedophile. Stabler is getting pissed, like sandbag to the face, dad pissed. Mm -hmm. They tell him that the six-year-old girl and her mom went to the mall in Paramus to get clothes and he was lurking in the children's... Oh, gross. He was lurking mm. in the children's section... None of this makes sense to the guy, and he keeps denying all of this. ADA fucking Novak interrupts. She leans in, and she asks them to give her a minute, and Benny and Stabes look at each other like, are you fucking hearing this, bitch? They were both mm -hmm. just... Yep. So Benson and Stabler go behind the glass, and Craigan's, wait, Craigan's not even there? <gasps> Stabler's pissed that she interrupted, and she needs Gabe, to... Gabe, you, <laughs> you sneaky little... I, I was inhaling to go what now Craigan's not there and you're doing a Craigan behind the glass nope oh you just keep me on my toes <laughs> you're my best friend uh, <laughs> all right oh uh, hold on stabler is fucking pissed that she interrupted and Craigan's not even there she needs to hang back and watch what they're doing but Novak gets pissed right back and tells him that the statute of limitations has run out on the rape case. Stabler's like, I fucking know. But there could be more victims that the time hasn't run out for. We are detectives. Yeah, let us do it. She wants to make sure Benson and Stabler are by the book because technically Newland shouldn't even be being held. Stabler's mm -hmm. just vain popping dad pissed. <sighs> Fuck this bitch. Where's Craigan? Why? He would have never let her walk in there. All of a sudden, Trevor Langan shows up. He's representing Newland, of course, I roll. Newland's not being charged, so Langan's taking him, you know? Yeah. Taking him for a walk around the pasture, just like his prize cockering <laughs> shadow. <laughs> I love that you named it Shadow. It's like the best horse name, cockering. <laughs> Benson comes back behind the glass and tells Novak she didn't get anything, quote, thanks to you, bitch. Boo. Pie faces her to the ground. 
<laughs> in the precinct, Benson and Stabler are doing a walk and talk. They decide to interview Molly, the six-year-old girl Newland had raped. She's older now. Maybe she remembers something. And then I'm like, oh, God, we got to put this little girl through shit. We're at the Stratton residence in Jersey. Benson and Stabler tell Molly that Newman was caught. She says, fuck yes. <laughs> she says, oh, good. I hope they kill him in jail. Well, he's not actually in jail yet. They try to explain to her the statute of limitations. And then she's like, oh, you guys suck. Mm-hmm. Benson kind of side whispers to Stabler. I don't want to do this to Molly. But Stabler tells her it's for her. Whatever. I mean, you can tell that this girl is she's got a real high wall built up. Yeah, she's n- not a happy kid. Like she's allowed to be a little dick. Yeah. Molly's angrily hitting a tetherball around. Benson and Stabler ask for Molly's help identifying other victims and ask if she remembers something he did or anything about the rape that would help identify him so they could find other victims. Like a smell or a phrase he repeated. You can see her face get upset. Benson says, or something too embarrassing to tell. Molly's getting a little worked up and upset. Stabler kind of gets the hint and takes off so Molly and Benson can talk, but Molly hugs Benson and just cries, and it's so sad. Yeah. Okay, so now we're at the precinct. Benson and Stabler and Craig and do a walk and talk, and they tell Craig about what Molly told Benson. Ugh, this is disgusting. You might want to earmuff, Tasha. Yeah, I'm going to just take my headphones off while you do it, even though I'm going to have yeah. to fucking edit it anyway. Okay. Molly told him that Newland told her they were giving away free candy. She followed him into a back dressing room. He locks her and him in and exposes himself, puts probably a packet of honey on his wiener and tells her to lick it. She doesn't want to, but he won't let her out until she does. So she does it and he raped her while her mom was like 10 feet away looking at clothes. Toots finds another victim that was lured into a zoo bathroom two months ago by a man that put honey from a packet on his wiener. Novak wants to bring her in to do a lineup. The squad tells her it's a bad idea. Adults already have a tough time with lineups. This girl's eight years old. It's way too risky. Novak is saying that she's willing to take the risk and says, quote, it happened two months ago. How could she possibly forget him? And I'm like, oh, honey, you've got a lot to learn about SVU. Okay. At the lineup, six white saltine crackers are all in a row, all in dockers and all in fucking cardigans. I laughed a little because as they pan down the line, each dude is just looking straight ahead and it gets to the actual dude and his chest is all puffed up and he's holding his breath like. (sighs) I honestly like when they pan through, I didn't recognize him at first. (laughs) It was all just like the same dude to me. And then it wasn't until later. I was like, oh. To me, it was like everybody just standing there looking ahead. And then it got to him. And he was like that Key and Peel sketch where Peel's got sweat just pouring off of his face. <laughs> yeah. The most recent victim, Alicia, is the one doing the fucking ID, says that she doesn't know which of the men assaulted her. Benson and Stabler try Mm. to get Novak to call it off, but Novak pushes. Alicia picks out the wrong dude and immediately can see that she fucked up. And she cries and apologizes as they leave the room. She's a fucking kid, dude. They already told her, like, this is risky. Mm -hmm. Benson approaches Novak in her office to check the shit out of her. Could you have been a bigger bitch to a kid who's already been through so much? That's exactly what she said. And instead of fighting, Novak just apologizes. And not for the fact that she's wearing a turtleneck tucked in. That (laughs) she mishandled. But... I would suggest that she say sorry for both. Novak didn't even want to work in SVU. She wanted to just work in homicide. All the glory, no living victims, she said. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's a weird thing to say because you're forgetting about every family member and friend of a murder victim. But 
All right. Mm-hmm. She's upset by the sickness and perversion of her new assignment. And Benny's like, yeah, first off, nobody can handle this shit. Especially kids. Especially the kid shit. Novak mm-hmm. asks what Benson tells her boyfriend after work. And Benson tells her that she doesn't have one. Either they're so turned off by her job or they're too interested. Where are all the good aloof men anymore? <laughs> I thought for a second, are they making it seem like Novak is testing the waters to see if she's gay and they have their own little will they won't they and then i couldn't remember and i forgot about it not that that would be completely far-fetched but like the timing would be fucking gross she's like oh weird like who do you vent to your boyfriend or no oh weird anyway (laughs) back to the super fucked up case Benny tells Novak everybody else on the squad are all fucked in their personal lives because of their job as well. Like, nobody handles this well. Novak asks her why they keep doing the job then. And Benson fucking has a Mary, our mother, Mary, Lord and Grace fucking, I'm not Catholic, uh, (laughs) like glow about her. And she says, because somebody has to. (sighs) (laughs) At the Newlands residence, Novak is interviewing Mrs. Newland. She admits that they'd been to the zoo the victim was assaulted at. And Novak just mentions how her husband must have really enjoyed himself at the zoo. And Mrs. Mm. Newland's like, oh, hell no, bitch. She's like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he told me about these crazy fucking allegations. And Novak tells her, hey, sweets, these are facts, DNA evident facts. And you should be worried, you know, because of your kids. Mrs. Newland denies that her husband has ever been inappropriate with their girls. But when Novak asks about the girl's friends, Newland grabs Novak's arm and tries to make her leave. Mrs. Newland is soups insulted and refuses to talk to Novak anymore. But Novak pushes back and points out that Newland's DNA was found in one of the victims. How are you going to refute that? And Mrs. Mm. Newland stops in her tracks and goes, oh, my God, he never told me that. He conveniently skipped that part. Just then, dude Newlands walks in the room and demands that Novak leave his house. As she leaves, Novak tells Mrs. Newland that if she's covering for him at all, she needs to fess up and call Novak with any information. Think of your little girls, she says. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Newlands just quietly covers her mouth like she's in complete well, shock. Well, she's also a doctor, so there's no way yes. to like fucking mm-hmm. turn that around, you know? She's horrified. Mm-hmm. And dude Newlands goes straight to the phone and calls his attorney. Now we're at the courthouse. Novak, Langan, and Judge Preston do a walk and talk and discuss the case. Novak says that this is a fucking unique MO that ties Newland to these crimes. Langan says that with the zoo victim, there's no DNA and that the girl picked a different man out of the lineup. But Novak's like, dude, she's a fucking scared little girl who's been fucking brutalized. Mm-hmm. Since the statute of limitations ran out of Molly's case, her testimony could be used to establish the pattern even if the statute of limitations is up. Langan says that if the judge lets this happen, the jury would convict on the prior act alone, and the judge agrees. The judge's decision is the DNA statement cannot be used, but Novak can argue MO. Now we're at the trial, whatever. Newland hasn't shown up. Langan calls Mrs. Newland, but she doesn't know where her husband is. Langan asks for a short recess to try and locate Newland. Novak is like, it's obvious he fled. The judge orders a bench warrant for Newland's arrest. Benson and Stabler are in the court, and Stabler says to Novak that they should hope he didn't leave the country. Novak's going to get started on freezing his accounts. Benson notices that Langan got another phone call. <laughs> they walk up to him, and Benson's like, anyone we know? He's got this look on his face like, um, yeah, it's Newland. Stabler whispers, where is he? So Langan asks Newland where he can meet him. 
It's pretty hot how Benny's looking at lawyer Trevor. I got distracted by it. So I did a quick side goog and these two were married on August 28th, 2004. So they were pretty serious by this point when they were filming. This was in 2003. And I read this interview she did about it and she said the most Gabe thing ever. So this is straight from this article that I read. Quote, Hargitay noted that her first thought after meeting Herman was, who is that Clark Gable Superman guy that I need to marry today? (laughs) And they did. So cute. Okay, go ahead. So we're in a restaurant. Everybody is kind of like... Pretending that they're not cops. Kind of undercover. Yeah, pretending they're not cops. And they are not. They never do good at that. Munch and Toots are stationed in a booth near the kitchen. They're talking to each other about investing in a bar and restaurant. Langan is in a nearby booth and starts giving advice on what to invest. And when Munch is like, dude, shut up. Don't make it obvious you're talking to us. Langan is still talking to him. and says Newland was supposed to be there 20 minutes ago. And Munch is like, yeah, you probably fucking tipped him off and langan looks back again and munch says eyes forward bottom feeder (laughs) and langan gets pissed he's like i don't fucking need this shit and closes his menu toots gets extra pissed wait a second he closes his menu he was supposed to be there 20 minutes ago i would have been fully done with dessert at that point (laughs) right there'd been a basket of fries my god i would have housed a meatloaf sandwich and waffle fries like in a second (laughs) and then when he came and be like oh are you ready to order i'm ready to order too (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna Um, get a a little something (laughs) (laughs) i'll have a bacon double cheeseburger with extra fries and (laughs) And a cherry's jubilee and that's it (laughs) i'm on a diet So how are you, Newland? Okay. <laughs> Toots gets extra pissed and says, so help me if you're playing us and goes to the kitchen where Benson and Stabler are waiting. Stabler gets a call. The camera pans up on his dad face and he says, where is he? Benny and Stabes walk into Newland's apartment. CSI says there's no sign of the gun as they're walking in. Newland's dead. It was a gunshot mm. wound to the back of the head. And Stabes goes, executed a little ahead of mm. schedule. <laughs> okay. You know he wasn't going to go to jail for long for molesting kids. That doesn't happen. They right. get like six months and they're back out. Yeah, no shit. In Craigan's office, we've got Daddy Craig's, we've got Benny, and we got Stabes. Mrs. Newland and the kids moved out the day Novak told Mrs. Newland about the DNA from Molly's case. Good for you. No shit. Good for her. At first, they think that Mrs. Newland killed him, but she was at the office. Maybe a family member of a victim killed him. Cragen gets a call. This is Cragen on the phone. Cragen, standing right here. That's impossible. I hate being the Benny and Staves in this situation. I can't believe both have so much restraint. Neither of them's like, who is it? Who is it? What's impossible? <laughs> Us? We're standing right here? Who is it? Is it about me? Say something. Is it about, should we go somewhere? Write it down. I can read lips. I can... <laughs> Talk more. Say more things. Carl? Is it Carl? Is it, is it about Shadow? Is it Cam? Okay. Is it Cam? <laughs> is Shadow okay? Okay. Well, the phone call was about a new crime. So we're at a new crime scene. A little girl was kidnapped around the time that Newlands was killed, but he lives nearby, so it could have been him, even though it's not his usual M.O. I made a little prediction here because I don't know how to do it, but I said, OMG, did the little girl that he just kidnapped shoot him executioner style in his own living room and is now on the run? Huang sidles up to Benny and the Jets with a honey stir in an evidence bag. Munch and Toots say mm. they interviewed some moms that were at the park 
and they said a man, late 30s, was sitting near the trash can the stirrer was found in. Huang mm. thinks that Newland sucked on the honey stick and it triggered memories of past assaults. Ew. So that's what made him do something. The girl was not found at his apartment. Huang said he wouldn't have taken her there. It would have been too risky. But Benson thinks something on his person will lead them to where she is. Now we're in Corner Warner's office. The gang's all there. Corner Warner is pulling a tube out of Newland's body during the autopsy. She says she's digging for treasure. <laughs> Where's treasure? <laughs> oh, okay. The tube is full of blood. Newland's the doctor, so it's possible that he stitched the tube into his own arm using local anesthetics. Wong thinks he did that to beat the paternity test. Oh, my God. And he is the father of Brianna's baby, which means he put someone else's blood in that tube, which means Newland's didn't rape Brianna, but it was whoever's blood that was in the tube. Oh, my God. Twist. How do they get that blood? Oh, my God. So, yeah, he's the father, but he isn't the one who's raping people. He just happened to choose the blood of someone who is a child rapist. Wait, how do they get the blood? And it's probably one of Newman's patients who is pumped that everyone thinks he's dead. Mm -hmm. So he grabs another girl. I totally forgot about this. The dude doesn't know that the squad knows about the honey shit. If he does, he's probably going to kill the next girl. They need to subpoena Newland's patient list. Oh my God. After the ME office, Huang Benson Stabler walk and talk. The honey rapist knew Newland and killed him? Newland didn't know how else to clear his name. Either way, he's charged with the murder of Brianna and her baby or of the sexual assault of countless minors. Oh, God. In Newland's office, Mrs. Newland helps him look through the records. Mrs. Newland said she lied for her husband. The day he killed Brianna, he was gone when she woke up, so she didn't know what time he left the house. As he mentioned initially, Newlands told his wife he cut himself the day he put the tube in. It was on their daughter's birthday. That's why she remembers. Oh, my God, this fucking poor lady. Mrs. Newland had taken blood from Peter Nessler, a man in his mid-30s that gets Botox and collagen treatments. He had a melanoma on his back, so they needed to run tests. He was the only one she took blood from that week. Oh, my God, this is insane. Oh, Nestler's apartment. Fucking boom. Door smash. Officers sweep the apartment. There's a bunch of honey bears lining the shelves in the kitchen. Ugh. The little girl hasn't been found yet. Novak shows up with a search warrant. Stabler hates that she's there at first. Like, oh, great, a supervisor. And Novak's like, nah, teamwork, us. I made up a theme song for our squad. I'll (laughs) sing it for you later. Benson finds images of child sex abuse in his closet, but no sign of Nestler or the missing girl. Novak notices that Nestler is a saltwater fisherman, which really proved her usefulness in this moment. Mm Because she's like, oh, look at this tackle. Oh, it's fucked up. Salt, saltwater, ocean, marina. Benson sees that he has a boat called Honeydew. Ew. He has a slip on City Island. Fucking ew. In the marina, detectives make Novak stay at the dock and follow behind Nestler. He has a cooler, but then sees them and sets it down on the dock to run away from them. It's the iconic scene of Stabler's butt. Stabler yep. knocks Nestler into the water, then refuses to bend at the knees as he goes to grab the dude <laughs> by the hair. Staves keeps dunking him in the water when he won't tell him where the girl is. He's like, tell me where the girl is. And he's like, so he'd shove him underwater. Novak is like, I'm not going to stay off the pier and went and popped the cooler. The little girl is in the cooler. She's alive. There's a dad and his kid with fishing gear just watching all of it. 
terrible. Yep. Novak goes into DA Branch's office. She tells him she wants out of her assignment with SVU. She cannot let go of what that little girl went through. Branch tells her that his... God, I hate the way he talks. And he's like condescending. Like women condescending. You know what I mean? Yeah. Branch tells her that his instincts told him that she was the right one for the job. I can't even do it. It's got to be more like blubbery. My instincts told me that you were the right one for the job. <laughs> Nobody was going to fill Cabot's shoes except for you, Novak. You can do it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Novak says she doesn't want the job. Branch tells her that she will. And then Novak leaves the office. Fucking toy. Fucking Yoda. Toyota, goodbye this episode. <sighs> goodbye. That was a good episode, though. John Schneeberger was born in Zambia in 1961. He went to school at Schneeberger? That sounds delicious. (laughs) Can I get one of those? Uh, Yeah. It comes with so much runny cheese. Ew. He went to school at Stellenbosch University in South Africa, received his medical degree, and in 1987 moved to Canada to practice medicine. It was in Saskatchewan that he met his wife, Helen Dillman. Now, I read a couple of different things the most reliable thing that I read called her Helen, but other things called her Lisa. So I don't know. Okay. Helen had two daughters, but it wasn't long before John and Helen expanded the family, having two more daughters as well. They settled in the small town of Kipling, and he continued to work in medicine. On October 31st of 1992, Candace Fonagy, a 23-year-old woman, got in a fight with her boyfriend outside of her work. She was so worked up that it scared her, so she went to the hospital because she just couldn't get herself to calm down. She was treated by Dr. Schneeberger, who had actually delivered Candace's baby not long before this incident. So, I mean, this could have been hormone related or whatever mm-hmm. else and I mean like the dude had cheated on her or something and she was yeah. just like I need to see my doctor she needed medical help with what her brain was doing in that moment right he told her he was going to give her something to calm her down and then injected her with a sedative and left the room the next day she went to the police station and met with detective Bill Hanstra she told him that after the sedative was given to her she couldn't move at all she said it felt like she was wrapped up in a bunch of rope but was fully aware of what was going on. She said then someone came in, pulled her pants down, and she was raped. What? Right as her rapist was leaving the room, she was able to roll over and see that it was Dr. Schneeberger. Oh, my God. The detective was shocked because it went against everything the entire town knew of the doctor. Remember, this is like a super small town. Yeah. He's the doctor in town. When she got home the next day, Candace bagged up all of her clothes and took them with her to the police station. So she took evidence straight to the cops. Yeah. The detective investigated by going to the small hospital and confirming that Candace had been there had been given a sedative by the doctor, found out what Dr. Schneeberger's clock out time was, who all was in the hospital, etc. There was only one other man in the hospital the entire time, but he hadn't left his wife's side, who had just given birth. Mm. So then Hanstra interviewed Schneeberger. Schneeberger told Hanstra that Candace had come into the hospital hysterical, and he had given her the sedative Versed. Versed is the brand name of midazolam and is what was being given they were talking about versed in the episode yeah uh, it's mm-hmm. known to cause pretty heavy sedation and can also create a loss of ability to create new memories during the time of sedation mm. schneeberger said that i wish he had less of a douche name 
Schneeberger said that he had given her the sedative, uh, left her there to rest, finished his rounds, and went home. He told the detectives that it's possible that she maybe experienced hallucinations. That was a possible side effect. Or maybe she was trying to extort him for money. Mm -hmm. The doctor insisted he did nothing wrong and willingly agreed to a blood sample. This could fucking ruin him. He's like, I am going to do whatever you guys need. This is ridiculous. They do the blood draw and it's not a match. Candace was like, I saw him. I know what happened to me. This is insane. Like the level of gaslit that she felt. She was just like, mm-hmm. this happened. This is true. He did something. He did something that got him off on this fucking blood test. Candace was so persistent in her accusation that the doctor had committed this rape. She thought there might be tampering with evidence, like blaming the cops, everything. And Detective Hanstra was like, all right, I want to be sure because I want to have every answer for this woman. So he asked Schneeberger to take another test. The doc was pissed. His wife was pissed. But in 1993, the doctor again gave a blood sample. This time, Detective Hanstra was in the room watching. Everything went as planned, all super by the book. Remember, it's the early 90s, too. So Hanstra was more like, maybe we do need to run it again. Like, maybe we don't know as much as we think we know. And I'm just going to go and monitor. Six months later, they got the results back and the sample came back negative again. So in 1994 the case was closed. Candace couldn't fucking believe it but because again this was a small town everybody had their opinions and then the case was closed and she was still insisting this. She was run out of town. She fucking moved. Not to mention the fact that she was a woman who was raped which gets shit anyway. Mm-hmm. You know and then people calling her a liar and then they're this she's it's being disproven and whatever else. Candace knew what she'd experienced but she couldn't prove it so she hired a private investigator Larry O'Brien. This PI broke into Schneeberger's car and got some DNA. OMG, this dude had fucking personalized plates that said Schnee. What a fucking dork. (laughs) Schnee. O'Brien had it tested and oh hey, it was a match to the DNA that was on Candace's pants and underwear. Mm. Candace took the test results straight to Detective Hanstra. Well, because the PI straight broke into the doctor's car, it wasn't evidence that police could use. Yeah. And it's, it's taking six months for DNA to get tested each time. That sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Detective Hanstra was like, oh my God, this is wild. We have to get his DNA again. So he's like, hey, Schneebs, um, we got to get you in here one more time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Police did a third test, but this time Detective Hanstra brings in serologist Jean Rooney to take the blood. So she's a serologist, which is a scientist who studies blood. So she knows everything about like Mm -hmm. anything that would look weird. I mean, he's like, there's got to be something going on. There's got to be something going on that that she'll be able to help figure out. Mm -hmm. So she takes this blood sample and is immediately like, fuck, this blood is dark. She's never seen blood that dark come out of a living person, she said. Mm -hmm. She felt like something was super off but couldn't determine what it was. Then when they sent it in, they couldn't even get DNA from it, which is scientifically impossible. And everybody's stumped. Dead end. Right. Mm. Or fucking is it? Are they taking it from the same fucking place every time? So he had told them that he had Raina, because usually they would just like prick your finger. At this time, they would 
you know, prick your finger to get their blood samples. And he was like, oh, I have, I don't know if he said he had Raynaud's or um, he had some sort of thing. Do you know what Raynaud's is? It's Isn't a, it where like your nerves are like super sensitive in your fingers or something like that? Or like... Well, it, it, it's like you have really bad blood circulation. My brother oh, has yeah. it. And so his fingers get like whitish yellow. And when he cut his thumb, he cut the end of his thumb off. They tried to reattach it and it wouldn't heal because his blood flow in his hands is so bad that it... Like, they couldn't heal. That's why my brother has, like, a half a thumb now. But, yeah, so he's like, yeah, it doesn't work as well to take my blood like this, so why don't you just take it, you know, tap style from my ditch? So it's 1997, okay? Helen, Schneeberger's wife, discovers that her trash-ass husband had been drugging and sexually assaulting her 15-year-old daughter, his stepdaughter, (gasps) for two years. Amanda, her daughter, finally came to her mom and told her that whenever she wasn't feeling well, her stepdad would give her something to help her sleep. He's a doctor. She -hmm. wouldn't remember what happened, but she told her mom that she knew it was bad. Then she showed her mom a condom wrapper that she found in her bed after one of these nights. Helen felt terrible that her daughter didn't come to her for two years, but Amanda said to her mom, you didn't believe Candace, so I didn't think you'd believe me either. How That's so like... Right to the guts. Yeah. After Schneeberger's wife reported him, police obtained a search warrant and found a small kit in their house that included Versed, needles, and condoms. Schneeberger was arrested and they took blood from him by pricking his finger. They collected hair follicles, saliva, all of the ways that they were able to access DNA matched the rapist semen from Candace's case. Mm. So it fucking was him. During his trial in 1999, Schneeberger finally disclosed how he had beaten the blood test. He had implanted a 15-centimeter Penrose drain containing another dude's blood along with an anticoagulant into his arm. So Mm. a Penrose drain is, it's a rubber tube used in surgeries to keep blood from pooling up and stuff. So it's Mm -hmm. supposed to just be like a, it's a drainage tube Mm -hmm. and it would mimic a vein. So when the lab tech would go to take his blood, he would manipulate the interaction to ensure that's where they took the blood from. You know, when you're like getting blood drawn, you're like, oh yeah, I've got a really good vein right here. This is, this yeah, is my yeah. good vein, you know? Right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Schneeberger God was found damn. guilty of sexual assault. And oh, but so the the reason that the blood was changing over time, this is what they thought. They were like, okay, so he convinced a patient, a male patient, like, hey, I need to take blood from you, took whatever amount of blood and then kept it refrigerated, kept it with an anticoagulant in it, refrigerated. So over time, that blood died. And mm-hmm. that's why the third time they took the blood, it was dark and they couldn't get anything from it. Yeah. He had that in his arm this, that entire time. Well, he, every time he was going to get his blood drawn, he probably put more blood in there because he kept like a vial of it. Yeah. And then he would either, maybe he would inject it into the tube that was in there or maybe he took the tube out and then would put it back in. What I, I don't know the but details they would of notice. that. They would notice like bruising or something. It's this is wild. Well, so he put it in from higher up his arm. So oh. then when you lift the sleeve up, you're just getting to the yeah. the ditch. What is that? What is that called? You know, the your elbow pit um, in your arm. Yeah, the ditch. So, so that would just feel like a fucking vein right there. You wouldn't see where he slid it in from like higher in his arm. That's so know? fucking. I mean, it's disgusting. It's fucking innovative as fuck, though. But like, so that's fucked crazy. Up. And disgusting. Yeah. It's fucking totally fucked up. I'm just saying, wow. Mm-hmm. Right. He was found guilty of sexual assault, administering a noxious substance, and obstructing the course of justice. He was sentenced to... What, did he get like two and a half years? 
Oh, God, what? He was sentenced to six years. Jesus. The wife divorced him and reported him mm-hmm. to Canadian immigration. Good for her. Mm-hmm. She actually had to pay $2,000 for contempt of court because she refused to take the girls to see their dad, oh, his shit. biological daughters. But she's like, at least I'll be able to tell them that I tried to keep them away from him. But the court forced me. Yeah. The College of Physicians and Surgeons of Saskatchewan stripped his medical license. He was released after just four years and was kicked out of Canada. He returned to South Africa in July of 2004. His reputation followed him and he got a nickname down there. They called him Dr. Rape. He tried to join... uh, Jesus. Yeah. He tried to join the Health Professions Council of South Africa because he wanted to work in medicine again, but then withdrew the yeah. application. So he went on to live with his mom in Durban, South Africa, and started working mm-hmm. in the catering business. And then he dropped off the mm-hmm. radar. Candace went on to file civil suits against Dr. Schneeberger, the Kipling Hospital, but there was no information that I could find on what came of that. Mm. Well, So as of 2018... Candace works as a continuing care assistant at an addiction services facility in Saskatchewan. Hmm. Wow. Had you have you heard about this before or no? No. I hadn't. The fact that that was the rip from the headlines thing, fucking yeah. wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Fucking crazy. If you don't even realize that that's And then they just added the like weird honey stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, next week we have season five, episode six, Coerced. A kid is taken by a man who has schizophrenia. The dude was triggered by something Stapler said, maybe? See you then. Shit. Rate and review us. Hey. Yeah, you know. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send us treats and presents and cards and greetings at P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Yeah. I'm excited. Somebody just messaged us and said they sent us something. Yeah, I saw that. I hope it's not anthrax. Me too. Check out our Instagram at SVUPod. Join the Facebook group that I love, SVUPod Elite Squad. We also have a chat group thingy in there, too. A little chat called Walk and Talk. Hashtag a little bit loud for all your little indie pod needs. And join the Patreon. Boop, boop. We got tons of fucking content. We just put tons of shit on there. I think, yeah. is, is it out of guilt? I'm like, oh, people are paying us. I feel like we should have like a lot of stuff. We do have a lot of stuff. That's what I'm saying. Oh, is it we out of guilt lot. that we put a lot of stuff on there, you mean? Yeah, like we should give them more. Oh, my God. I know. Don't even get me going on that shit. Yeah. You um, get enough. <laughs> you get what enough. you get and you like it. Uh, go to your room. <laughs> You're the reason why me and your dad divorced. It's your fault. <laughs> okay. Okay, love you. Bye. Um, love you. Bye. Can I say that I have said SUV three times now and I didn't have to pause before I, I said noticed it. that because I was like, Saying is it SVU? SUV? Yes. Yeah, she got it. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. You know why? You know why? Ritalin. I got to get some of that sweet, sweet R. I'm loving it. Do, 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 do. Ritalin. <laughs> I'm Ritalin. <laughs> He's also, we are off. The sink is off. Mm-hmm. He's also in a newer show I hadn't heard Thank of. Thank God, we don't want the bathroom to get flooded. I fucking knew you were going to make some bullshit dad jokes. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God, instead of the horse poster that I cried about when I was a kid, I like, those horses are dead. It's two cock rings. And it makes like a little heart. Oh my God, and then there's a tiny baby cock ring. Oh my God. They're family. Those cock rings have been dead for a long time. 
And to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Sky K, Marissa M, Elky H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Kate H, Ooh, Yanga. <laughs> Uh? Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire. Sapphire. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Kayla, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear. Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Emily A, Angela D, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Cassandra S, Kaylin B, Camilla Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, Kay Allen, Katie M, Crystal B, Jessica P, Nada M, Zan and J, Sin, Christina D, Liana, Madison H, Emily, oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Crystal M, Victoria B, Kelsey D, and Scout G. We love you. Thanks, everybody. And appreciate you. Yeah. Think you're the best and you're great. And thanks for supporting us. Scooby-Doo, Bob, Scoot, Scoot, Squat, and Diddy, Boo, Squat, and Diddy. Squee, Diddy, Dad. I think I'm good at scatting. Squee, baby, dee, boop, squee, beep, beep, squat, ba, doop, dad, up, and doop, beep, beep. Nope, not me. 